Welcome to the Brewing Shavers Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. Uh, we believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, to quote Brian Kelly, you're family. And we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast as we are cruising through an exciting college football season. Thank you for joining us as we talk about all the games, we talk about all the news, the good, the bad, and the kind of stuff that you want to gloss over sometimes, but we talk (laughs) about it all here. I'm joined by my co-host, Darren Shavers, and Darren, another great weekend in the books. It really is, and and we probably, you know, if we went back and listened to last year, and if you selected some other podcasts and listened to the last five years, it's probably the same conversation every year. You can't believe how incredible it's been, but it really does feel like, especially within the SEC and the Big 12, the games have really stepped up. There are some some teams playing games that you didn't really expect them to play, the level that, that they're playing. And, and there are some games that honestly should be stinkers that turn out to be really good, exciting ball games. And you just can't beat the way this season has started out. No, there's been a lot of unpredictability. Yes. And that's been fun for us as fans uh, taking everything in. So let's get right to some of the, the late-breaking news that we have right now. Darren, you have talked about with, I must say, a lack of fondness in your voice, (laughs) the head coach at Colorado, and some news came out of Colorado that you're not in any way gloating over. I'm I'm removing my cap. We're going to have a moment of silence. Yeah, we're not gloating at all. No. Uh, That was a quick moment of silence. (laughs) It was was about as quick as uh, Carl Durrell's tenure at Colorado. (laughs) You and I talked about it when the hire was made. There was nothing. The guy has been successful. Know where he was a head coach. Uh, he had one really decent run as an offensive coordinator, but outside of that, even his coordinator stops have been really tumultuous stop. It was a hire that never made sense, and now here they are at 0-5 going, oh, wait, this might not be <laughs> what we were looking for. And so his time at Colorado is is done, and they'll move on. I, I think it took 15 minutes for a list of you know top six replacement candidates to be out from every major, you know, Big 12 outlet or or, or Pac-12. Mm-hmm. There you go. Give me a half hour, I'll catch up. I'll- <laughs> it's, it's a long way from the Bill McCartney years at Colorado when they were relevant. Right, right. One name that has been brought up was a star at Colorado. He's still with the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Any realistic chance that Colorado makes a play for him? I think they at least have to give it a shot because one of the things as an administration you have to do after this hire and the way it went, even if you do it through back channels, it's got to be known that you're trying to make a splash, that you're not just going to go hire uh, you know, something safe or, or a, a pick that that's, no one would ever see. you got to at least, even if it's going after you know a mid-major, that's, that's been very successful. It's got to be known that we're trying to make a splash. We're trying to make a hire that makes a difference to get this program back on track. Yeah, that loss to Arizona this past weekend proved to be the nail in the coffin. Yeah, absolutely. Some other coaching news. Carl Durrell was not the only coach relieved of his duties. And, and a little bit of a surprising move, Paul Christ, the head coach at Wisconsin, who's compiled a Record of 67 wins and 26 losses in seven seasons. 
right now standing at two and three, was fired at Wisconsin, and Jim Leonard uh, will be filling in as interim coach. And Darren, what are you hearing about this change with the Badgers? You know, I, I think it's a change that people had talked about, uh, especially in like press circles and beat writers and stuff like that. But people were a little uncertain about that whether or not, because he's had a really good tenure for the most part. It was not exactly what everybody kind of hoped it would be, but he's not, you know, he's not 0-5. You know, they haven't had, you know, four consecutive losing seasons or anything like that. But I think it just shows, once again, the administration of Wisconsin and their commitment to that program. Uh, I think, and in today's climate, once you decide it's time to pull it, you pull it. I think the days of waiting to the end of the season are pretty closely approaching being gone. And that's probably a different conversation for a different day. I don't know exactly how I feel about that because I, I think the only next step will be guys will be 18, 20 games in and being dismissed. And, and that'll be awful for the game if guys start getting that little bit of time. And to me, that seems kind of like the next banana peel on that slippery slope of guys being pulled three and four games into a season. But nonetheless, again, it's not a shocker at all that Wisconsin is a dedicated Administra- or administration is dedicated to the program. So not overly surprising. Defensive coordinator Jim Leonard promoted to interim head coach. He's got basically a seven-game job interview. Yep, absolutely. He can build a pretty nice resume. Well, let's talk some more about this past weekend. And this is a new segment here on the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, what we're calling This Week's Takeaways, where Darren and I each select three takeaways from the previous weekend to share on that week's podcast episode. So, Darren, surveying this past week in college football, what's your first takeaway? You know, when I kind of look over everything that happened and and try to take a a step back and and look at a big picture, not just an individual game, one of the first things that jumps out to me is the Oklahoma defense. When you talk about Brent Venables and what he's going to bring to Oklahoma, and we've talked about on this uh, podcast, uh, the, the defensive strength and, and prowess that he that he would bring. And we've seen some of that. We've seen some of that toughness. We've seen some of that grittiness. Also, uh, when you look at what TCU did to them, you can see some of the holes that had been poked. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. Isn't it? It's not, we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State fans would like that, yeah. right? Go Pokes. Oh, that- well, I wish I could say I did that's it on pretty purpose. Clever. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant the whole time. I was just seeing if you would catch it. That's what it was. <laughs> and, and TCU exposed those things. And I think what it says is just how in a bad place Oklahoma's defense has been for years, like we've talked about. And even even though they always got quality athletes, they're bringing in you know four and five star kids. Nobody can dispute that. But even with with what Brent Venables brings to the table, there's still a long way to go. I mean, they're not even in the top 25 of yards per average against in rushing or passing. I mean, they're allowing six and seven and eight yards over the process of the season, not just the TCU game. Over the process of the season, they're allowing that. And and they allowed TCU 8.9 yards per play. Mm. That's incredible. And that, that shows 8.9 yards per play, 668 total yards. Your defense has a long way to go. And for what we, even though I think we try to be realistic, for what we expected, I think it became pretty clear that they're not going to get there this season from a defensive perspective. Right. First year, there's going to be some things to to work through. Uh, these are OU's going through a bad stretch, so that's yep. a, a good good takeaway. Uh, one of my takeaways is the, the fall of Houston, a program that seemed to be 
trending in an upward fashion. They made a hire in getting uh, Dana Holgerson away from West Virginia. Yep. Although I'm not sure how many people in West Virginia were disappointed by that. He did have some success on the field, but you know his predecessor, those who, who really loved Bill Stewart, uh, you know Holgerson was the uh, antithesis of right. Bill Stewart, the yep. exact opposite. Yep. And so there were some in Morgantown that were very glad when Holgerson left. Uh, Houston saw it as a big hire. But yet, you look at this year, started off with a win against University of Texas San Antonio, which was a powerhouse team last year, but right. this year, not quite so much. Not doing the same, exactly. Uh, then they lost to Texas Tech. Then they lost to Kansas. Then they won against Rice, which is expected. But then a shocking loss this past weekend against Tulane, where they lost the quarterback on the field when Tulane went, went ahead in the game. Uh, Kai Horton, the third-string quarterback. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't enough to pour salt on the wound, they got beat by a field goal kicker with the first name of Bubba, who kicked a (laughs) 36-yard field goal. Now, if that's not Louisiana, I don't know what is. That is as Louisiana as it could be. But definitely very concerning what's happening with Houston as they make the move. I think, is it next year when they go into the Big 12? Yes. Yes, that's Um, correct. They've got some work to do. Yes, absolutely. What's your second takeaway, Darren? Well, I think my second takeaway has to – I'm going to just uh, maybe focus on defenses more than I thought I was when I was kind of putting my thoughts together. But, you know, I'm wondering when you look at this this Missouri-Georgia game this weekend, number one, what a heartbreaking loss for, for Missouri. But we even during the game, we tweeted about it. They're going to need touchdowns and not field goals if they're going to win this, if they're going to pull this upset off. And, and that ultimately was what cost them the game. They couldn't punch it in. But I find it very interesting, coming off the back of how many points Kent State was able to put up on that Georgia defense, which was only you know 20-plus points, but still, comparative to last year, that is something that would have never, ever happened with the Georgia defense from last year. Missouri moved the ball well against Georgia when they got into kind of that punch zone, the red zone, where it was time to, to, to really push it in. They could. The dogs on the line kind of took over at that point. And, and Missouri didn't have what they needed to to match. But even with that being said, they still, between the 20s, they moved the ball well against this Georgia defense. The thing I couldn't help but think of while I was sitting there watching it is, you know, with some of the mixes of, of the RPO, a little bit of change in the RPO, uh, they were doing some almost Mississippi State-type looks with some of the stuff that they were doing against the Georgia defense and that, that using their short passing game as their run game a, a few times, mixing it up a little bit in there. I'm wondering if Blake Baker, the old coordinator at Missouri, showed everybody else a little bit of a roadmap of something that might work against Georgia. It'll be interesting to see how much of that we, we maybe see from other schools going forward. Because if those are some things you've already got in your bag, well, it's time to start working those notes a little bit more because obviously it works. Now, the other side of that could have just been an off game and Georgia strengthens up from it and destroys everybody in their path for the remainder of the season. But to me, kind of my takeaway looking at that with those two things back-to-back, Kent State putting 20-plus points and, and Missouri being able to move the ball, weren't able to get in the end zone, but they were able to move the ball. Are there some chinks in the armor? Is that Georgia defense – not even up to scale where we want it. Not to say that it should be where last year's was, because that was legendary. That's not necessarily fair. But you still expect a little bit more, maybe, and maybe it's not there this year. So 
great points. Uh, good teams find a way to win. Great teams yep. maintain a certain level of excellence, and Georgia seems to be struggling with that yes. right now. Yep, absolutely. A second takeaway for me was Kentucky. Tough game in Oxford against Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin's a good coach. He's got Ole Miss playing good football. But when you have a guy who is going to be a projected first-round draft pick, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and he fumbles twice in the final three minutes of a game. Now, as you said, it could be the same thing like Georgia going to Missouri. It might just been a bad day. Yeah. People have bad games, but the turnovers were a killer for Kentucky. And and in addition to missing two extra points, in fact, after they finally made an extra point, there was a mock cheer from the crowd in Oxford. <laughs> this is is what we consider to be a routine play, right? And, and you missed two points, and those two points proved to be important as the game goes along. So I'm a little concerned about Kentucky's discipline. You can't make those mistakes in the red zone, especially in a tight game like that. Yeah. So that was something that stuck out to me. Absolutely. I think it's a great point. Great points. And your third. My third is I'm going to go completely away from the conferences we talk about most. And I'm not even going to – I will give credit and say it was an article that I read, but I'm not even going to call the guy out. It was a it was a Pac-12 beat writer that listed some of the games that had taken place over the process of the weekend and then said, the Pac-12 is back, was his main headline. (laughs) And I just want to say for the record, when we talk about the SEC and how they devour one another throughout the process of the year, it is because it is tough competition that SEC teams most, most of the time can't find anywhere else. I would go as far as to say pretty much the same thing about the Big 12. There is a difference when Baylor and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas State and Kansas, those teams play each other. They're most of the time great games with a level of football you're not going to see anywhere else. When two Pac-12 teams play each other and it becomes a competition of who wants to give the other team the ball most or who wants to lose most and it just happens to turn out as a tight game, that's not the Pac-12 being back. <laughs> mm. That is, you finally got into the softest part of your season, and that just so happens to be your conference schedule, okay? <laughs> Guess what? It's probably going to be a tight game without much scoring, but that doesn't mean it was a good game. So the Pac-12 is not back. <laughs> Looking at BCS history, I'm not sure what they're coming back from. Exactly. <laughs> the, insinuation that there was some high standard in the past. Exactly. Very very good point. A third takeaway for me was the uh, the amount of targeting calls that we're continuing to see in college football. And, and some of those, it's just guys not doing what they've been taught to do. Yep. Some of it is heat of the moment. But it's a cause for concern. I know the, um, the hit on the Oklahoma quarterback, uh, Dylan Gabriel, that knocked him out of the game. Uh, the TCU player, he made a horrible decision. It was yep. the heat of the moment, emotions. Yep. He, if he could take it back, he probably would. I, I, absolutely. But nevertheless, a very dangerous hit. Yes. Um, so we're still seeing those. And we're still seeing that, you know, even in that same game, a, a defensive back from Oklahoma exits the game. And then in the uh, the LSU-Auburn game, on the kickoff, yeah, seven, seven banks winds up leaving on a stretcher. Thankfully, he was released from the hospital with yeah. all mobility. Um, I think it's a, a bruise on his spine is what Brian yeah. Kelly said at his press conference. So these are things that need to be addressed. But there is a time and a place for everything. And one of the most callous moments in the history of NCAA Division I football happened 
while Seven Banks was being carted off the field. I watched the video again. He was in the end zone. He was almost off he the field. He was almost gone. When the head official announced to the crowd in attendance that video review showed that he targeted. Now, if you go back and look at the video, he did lower his head, mm-hmm. but he ran into the guy's leg. Yeah. He bore the brunt of that. And I know there's an emphasis on trying to get people to not do this because it's very dangerous. Right. I realize that by the letter of the law, that was the correct call. Right. But when the letter of the law excludes compassion for a player who's being carted off the field, I have a real issue with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very disappointed at whoever in the booth made that call and said, we're going to review this right now. Right. Very, very disappointed. I I think we can um, we can follow the rules and realize there's a time and place for compassion. Yep. Whoever made the decision. You know, I hope I never encounter that person when I need compassion. (laughs) Exactly. Agree completely. We're going to move on to our pick'ems for this week. But before we do so, let's pause for This Week in Sports History. October 8th, 1921. The first college football game is broadcast over the radio. The game was the 26th edition of the Backyard Brawl between the Pittsburgh Panthers and the West Virginia Mountaineers. The game was broadcast on Pittsburgh radio station KDKAAN. The Panthers prevailed, winning the game 21-13. to Oh, thank you. Thanks to everybody for participating in our CBS Sports Pick'em each week as we select certain games from the SEC and the Big 12. And we've got a new person who has moved into the top three. Darren, tell us a little bit about um, what's happening, this shakeup in the polls. Well, Matt Hollis, Zach Pape, and JT Moss are all doing everything they can to make it boring and, and, be, <laughs> and be the winners. They, it is amazing when you go back and look at uh, kind of the recap and who chose what after all the games have taken place. Man, those three guys, I'm a little bit jealous. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe that's why I said they were trying to make it bored. I'm a little bit jealous of, of the picks that they make and, and the consistency with which they do it. But we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago or maybe it been last week, how we needed somebody to jump up and try to take one of those top three out. I'll be honest with you and tell you, when we talked about that, and if I would have told you, hopefully it's from my, within my household, I would have hoped it would have been me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Uh. <laughs> Misty has jumped into a tie for third place. Not only is she in a tie for third place, but she won the week. She had the highest win total of the week. So we have a new person that has jumped in the top three. So it's Matt, Zach, and JT and Misty are tied for third. It's a good moment. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Congratulations, <laughs> Misty. Keep it keep it going. Great to see uh, a new name and face in that top three. Well, that takes us to our seven Pick'em games for this week. And so what we do each week is a segment that we call You're on the Clock, in which Darren and I each take 30 seconds to explain who we think is going to win. And so let's go through our seven games, and we're going to start with a game that 
before the season appeared to be the game of the year. Yep. Texas A&M and Alabama, the dust-up between Saban and Fisher. That game has lost some of its luster because A&M just has not met expectations this year. So, Darren, you have 30 seconds. Who wins this game and why? I think A&M has shown their weaknesses in every way possible, both defensively and offensively. Alabama, even though the luster has lost some for fans, I don't think those guys, any of the luster has been lost, and they are still going to attack this game with a vicious way. In a vicious way, Texas A&M comes out of this thing 3-3 three and three with their third loss of the year. Darren, I tend to agree with you. I think this is going to be a, a big win for Alabama. I think Bryce Young will play. I think he'll be okay. If not, regardless, I think the, the tide roll. South Carolina at number 13, Kentucky. Darren, who wins and why? My concern for Kentucky is that the hangover of that loss in a game that they not only should have won, but most people believe they were going to win, that that can be a difficult, in a, in a program that is where they are, that can be a difficult thing to overcome and can have a rather significant hangover effect. I think that's going to be the case. I think South Carolina, for no other reason other than gut, sneaks up and wins this, pulls off the upset. I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Darren. I believe that Will Levis is going to get back on track. Uh, Kentucky rolls in a big game in Lexington, and and the folks will be running with the horses through the green grass, or the bluegrass. The bluegrass. It's there the you bluegrass go. state, it's right? the bluegrass. Go figure. <laughs> that takes us to a, a big, big game every year, and that's the um, – the, the Red River shootout, the, shootout. the Red River rivalry. <laughs> There's lots of names for it, but you have two schools that yep. have a history of hating each other. This year, neither team is ranked in the top 25 yep. as of game time. Uh, Darren, you're on the clock. Who wins this and why? You know, I think this is a really, really hard one. Both of them are bad at third downs. Both of them are not doing well uh, when it comes to yards per attempt, passing or rushing. But for some reason or another, even though Oklahoma is struggling defensively the way they are, I still think they pull this game out. I think Oklahoma manages the game better and beats Texas. I agree with you. Oklahoma is on life support, and they're going to um, come into this game as a must-must-win game for them. I think the Sooners pull out a, a win at the Cotton Bowl. Well, that takes us to the Razorbacks of Arkansas traveling to Mike Leach and the 23rd-ranked <laughs> Mississippi State Pirates. The Pirate Dogs. The Pirate Bulldogs. <laughs> the Pirate Dogs. So we actually I had a, a listener uh, – I saw a Sunday, and he said, you know what? I like that. They should they should change the name to the Pirates. I, I like it. I, th- I agree completely. <laughs> but their name used to be, I, I saw this uh, watching the game Saturday, they were the Maroons years ago, the Mississippi oh, yeah. State Maroons. Yeah. And they were actually referred to as Aggies as well. Now, that I didn't hear. I saw it, the Maroons. So that is very interesting. So Arkansas at Mississippi State. Darren, you're on the clock. Will Rogers has 1,700 yards passing. Mississippi State is plus one in turnover margin, and I feel like, unfortunately, as much as I love Sam Pittman, that their offense will roll over that Arkansas defense. I think they will continue to roll. I'm a little bit of afraid of it because this is a moment where Mississippi State can disappoint you, but I'm going to roll with Mississippi State. Arkansas needs a win, and they need one so very badly, but I tend to agree with you. I think Mississippi State wins. Let's head over to the Big 12 where the Texas Tech Red River or Red Raiders are 
That's a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Are traveling to Stillwater to face the seventh-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Darren, you are on the clock. I tell you, I love everything about Joey McGuire and the Texas Tech Red Raiders, but you cannot de- deny what Oklahoma State has going on. Their team is doing so well, it has made Derek Mason a better defensive coordinator. You tell me how that happens. Uh, they're doing everything that they need to do. The only kind of suspect thing they have is, is turnovers. They're even. They should probably be plus, but I think Oklahoma State wins this game. I agree with you. Oklahoma State, big win. Mike Gundy's going to do a great job. They're going to be prepared. Big victory in Stillwater. Let's all meet up at Eskimo Joe's afterwards and celebrate. I'm in. Next, we have uh, Kansas State traveling to Iowa State. That's Ames, Iowa. Yes. Ames, Iowa, where Iowa State coming off the loss to Kansas. Kansas State coming off another big win. Darren, you're on the clock. Who wins? You know, it surprised me a little bit that this game is only a a two-point game, according to the line. Kansas State is favored by two points. So that does make me afraid of this a little bit because this does kind of feel like a spot where Iowa State sneaks up and kind of takes somebody feet, feet out from under them. So I'm a little bit afraid of that. But I think Kansas State has learned from earlier mistakes in the year, and I think they'll keep rolling. I think this is a Kansas State win. I agree with you. I'm going to go with the the Wildcats. I like the way that they're playing right now. Kansas State, big road win, Big 12 conference action. And that takes us to 17th ranked TCU traveling to Lawrence, Kansas to face the 19th ranked Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> you saw that coming, right? Both of them being ranked. <laughs> College game day is coming to Lawrence for the first time ever. So as you look at what's going to be an electric atmosphere in Lawrence, they're not even talking about basketball yet, which is highly unusual. Who you got winning this game and why? You're on the clock. You know, this one is a little uh, uh, scary to me because both of them are excellent in turnover. Both of them are plus turnover, plus three and plus, plus four. You know, the thing that's incredible about Kansas is that the quarterback has 1,300 yards of total offense between rushing and passing. So that makes me a little bit afraid of them, truthfully, even though that's an amazing stat, if you can shut him down a little bit. And I think TCU is going to do that. I think TCU uh, wins this game. TCU has played fantastic football up to this point. Huge win against the Sooners last week. Kansas, though, is finding a way to win. They beat Iowa State, which doesn't seem like a big deal. Iowa State's not ranked, but they had lost seven straight games to Iowa State. They got that monkey off their back. Lance Leopold has got his team playing. It's going to be rock chalk jaywalking. Lawrence game day atmosphere. It's going to be fun. Kansas wins. Nice. So that takes us to our our pet pick'em game of the week. So be sure to send us a photo of your, your favorite pet. Or you're not so favorite pet. Or you're not. That's right. Uh, and let's see. What the dog, cat, ferret, white rat. Uh, how about we add um, Chinese pangolin this week? If you have a pet Chinese pangolin, send us a pet. Is that one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Now, our pet pick of the week last week that we shared on social media was Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bruce picked Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't go well. But still. Bruce was awesome to be a part of, and he's he's still a good boy. Is that, is that, that's my dog voice. Yeah, he, <laughs> I don't think the loss weighed him down too much. <laughs> he didn't really seem affected by it. So <laughs> This week's game is a top 25 game. Uh, the eighth, eighth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers coming off a of bye week are traveling down to Baton Rouge to face the 25th-ranked LSU Fighting Tigers. 
Unfortunately, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, which we've already talked about. It's a horrible kickoff. Horrible. It's a great game. I don't know why it didn't get moved to the afternoon or the evening. I don't know how the stand, the stands may be half empty That's very when true. it kicks off. Very it could true. be Tennessee's advantage. I mean, Tennessee's got a great football team. Yep. You've got a great team coming to Baton Rouge. LSU is, is finding its way. Going to be a good matchup. Um, you know, Darren, as you look at this, uh, who, who you got? I tell you, one of the things that stands out to me as an opportunity for LSU is the fact that even though Tennessee has done some incredible things this year so far, offensively and defensively, they are a little susceptible in the, the, the big plays. They've given up six plays of 20-plus yards of passing plays. Uh, so that would be an opportunity. Unfortunately, I don't know that LSU can exploit that. That's the biggest concern. Tennessee's doing 11.3 yards per attempt. That's a win. It's going to be a tough, tough game. Yeah, logic says Tennessee, but my heart says LSU. I'll talk more about that in a minute. I think I'm going to stick with the Tigers. Go Tigers. So that takes us into four down territory. Here we go. You're in four down territory. Darren, who is your sure thing pick of the week? You know, if I'm going to step out on a limb after everything I've said and say Derek Mason is a good mm-hmm. defensive coordinator now, I, I, I am back. The mullet is flowing. I've got my white cowboy <laughs> hat on that, that is circled with a uh, an, an Oklahoma State visor that's over the top of the cowboy. I am back on the cowboy. I started to say train. I guess I should say wagon, shouldn't I? I'm back on the cowboy <laughs> wagon. Mullet in full effect. I, I think Oklahoma State is going to take another step in what is shaping up to be a really nice season for them. That's my sure thing pick. Great pick. Oklahoma State right now is the, the best team in the Big 12. Definitely. As of today. And if you're listening and you're an Oklahoma State fan, here's an offer we have for you. If Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 championship, Darren and I will travel to Stillwater. We will buy you lunch or dinner at Eskimo Joe's, and Darren will will put on an Oklahoma State cowboy hat, and and he'll don the garb. uh, Full-fledged. And we'll take pictures and videos, but your team's got to win the the Big Twelve Championship. That's right. You gotta, you gotta, you not, you have to not come up a yard short. <laughs> not, not to be a oh, too soon, too soon. <laughs> My sure thing pick is Alabama. I think Saban, when Saban gets cranky, and lately in every interview he's come across like he's he's angry, he's cranky, he's annoyed. Usually that means uh, that he is laser focused, and I think he, this game has been circled on the calendar for Alabama since last. Year when A and M upset them, it's going to be a big win for Alabama. I think. Yep. How about your upset pick? I can't believe I'm actually going to say this because I need them to not have a win like this because I need them to spiral for out for Vanderbilt to take advantage of it later on in the season. But I, I feel like it really is a great opportunity for South Carolina. I think this there's the possibility that Spencer Rattler has the breakout game all of South Carolina has been looking for. Because if he can have some of the games that he's had in the past and really start to affect that Kentucky defense over the top, it can open up run lanes in a big, big way and I think expose some things on on Kentucky's defense. 
And I think this may be the Saturday that he does it. So I'm going South Carolina as my upset pick. Shane Beamer smiling right now. I think so. Sometimes I get in trouble because I go with my heart instead of my head. And everything on paper says Tennessee wins Saturday. Hendon Hooker, they've got it rolling. Yep. Great team. Great coach. LSU still, you know, they're growing. They're going figuring through growing pains. Yep. They're yep. figuring it out. An 11 a.m. start, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put my heart out there. I'm putting my heart on my sleeve, and I'm saying Tigers somehow find a way to win. It's not going to be pretty, but somehow, some way. And if you remember the last time Tennessee came, 2010, it might just be a crazy of a win as that one. Hey, you know what? It could be. You you <laughs> kind of make me feel bad for not picking Vanderbilt over Ole Miss, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> How about your brown bag pick of the week? Uh, you know, as much as I like Eli Drinkwitz, uh, I think they are having one of those seasons where the only way to describe it is if it can go wrong, it will twice. Uh, and I think, uh, this week's game is, is just going to kind of, to, to seal the deal for them. They coming off that difficult loss that, that had so much potential. This was a game that a couple of weeks ago we talked about them playing Florida, and Florida's kind of slid back a little bit. Oh, maybe they've got a chance, but but I don't think it's going to be the case. I think this is going to be kind of the brown bag moment where the brown bag slides on and, and the season slides down the hill for them. I, I think it's going to be an ugly, potentially an ugly day for, for Missouri. Mm, mm. How about you? I'm going with Auburn. I watched the LSU-Auburn game, which is always an entertaining game. Yes. But looking at Brian Harson on the sidelines, it, it's time. It's time. He, he, he needs to go to a place that's going to appreciate him. It's not Auburn. No. Uh, he crippled in his recruiting because his, his uh, tenure hangs in the balance. But when you look at Auburn, they started off with a win against Mercer, they, they a win against uh, San Jose State. You're supposed to win those games. Yep. And then Penn State came to town and drubbed them. A Penn State team that only beat Northwestern last weekend by 10 points. And not a very good Northwestern, truthfully. Right. They won against Missouri because the field goal kicker for Missouri missed a 26-yard straight-on field goal. And then in the overtime, as they went in for the winning touchdown, yeah. A fumble. Yeah. LSU came to town. An LSU team that um, really people are surprised that they, they, they're they in the top 25. Mm-hmm. There were so many issues there and holes to fill. Yep. And LSU comes to town and, and pulls out a win after Auburn was up 17-0. to Auburn didn't score in the second half. And as you pointed out, Darren, that, that in the past eight games against Power 5 opponents, Auburn's second half point total is 18. Yeah. That's eight games. So um, it's a, it, these are rough times at Auburn. I think yes. it's time to move on from Harson. I think it'd be better for him yeah. personally. Um, Auburn tends to be very dysfunctional uh, in a lot of ways if you look through their history with coaches. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, that, that'd be my brown bag pick. I think they're going to have another tough loss against Georgia this week, and it just keeps going downhill. Before we get into our show updates, we have got a treat for you, and that is 
who we believe is the undisputed king of post-game quotes, and that is Mike Leach from Mississippi State. And this past weekend, he did not disappoint. And, you know, it really is. We've talked about him so many times, and, and um, I, I am now blank on the reporter's name that asked him uh, the uh, question. Lang? Yeah, that sounds right. But someone pointed out in one of the post-game shows on, like, SEC Network or something, that she is also the reporter that actually asked him the candy corn question when that was a, a couple of years ago. I think it was during the 2020 season uh, when he ended up talking about different kind of varieties of Halloween candy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they have a little bit of a history together, which is pretty interesting. But you know, one of the things that's so cool about him is is they're finishing up their post game interview, standing on the field where she's asking him about run offense, about their defense, about all these different things, and then she throws in, "Oh, by the way." Um, I'm getting married. I know you're known for your your uh, thoughts on weddings. So, do you have any thoughts for me? And uh, you and I talked previously uh, about how cool it is that she knew she could ask that question. That she wasn't going to get blown off. That she wasn't going to make him angry. That he was going to step up to the plate and knock it out of the park. That being said, I don't know that she anticipated the answer that he gave. <laughs> So she asked him the questions, and Mike Leach had this to say. Coach, I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have any advice for me? Who are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well, I'll have to set up a meeting, and I'll talk to him. Um, Okay, so uh, where's Trevor from? He's from Florida. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. He does what? He covers football as well. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. Trevor was probably planning to, but you didn't. Uh, So go ahead and uh, uh, don't, don't say anything else about it, but as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. And then, you know, you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats okay. on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust me on this. <clears throat> if Trevor doesn't uh, have the sense to do that, tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. I'll have him call you for sure. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right, thanks. Okay. So my favorite part of that is she's trying to wrap it up. She's asking him a question. She knows that they have TV time limits, and she's trying to wrap it up, and he's still like, believe me, he's on my side. Tell him to call me. There's just nothing like Mike Leach. No, and you know, he he has become the humorous version of Bob Dylan in uh, NCAA yeah, football. That's that's a great and completely he speaks his mind yep, yep. regardless of what you're talking about. But they've established it, you've pointed out, they've established a rapport here. And I think we'll see more of this. We'll see yeah. a couple of questions about the game and then we'll see some question about Halloween candy. Yeah. 
wedding advice or whatever. I mean, how can you not keep doing that? Well, you know, it happened at SEC Media Days, and, and he he loves it. So he's leaning into it, and I and I applaud that. I I think it's fantastic. It's gold. Yeah. So let's let's uh, talk about now some show updates. Yes. Uh, I don't know how we follow in the steps of Mike Leach's <laughs> exactly. post game quotes, but remember uh, our text line, 318-390-3599. Text us your opinions about the game, the show, a game that you're watching, the show or whatever. We'd love to hear yes, from you. Yes, definitely. And also, Darren, tell us a little bit more. Remind us about the Fanatics giveaway, and we've got a tailgate recipe for this week. Well, the Fanatics giveaway, again, we're very, very thankful for Manufacturers Advantage. It's located here in Bossier City. Uh, look them up at www.mfgadv.com. That They are making this Fanatics giveaway possible. It's a $100 gift card. And we also are not only encouraging you to, to email us or text us in order to enter it, but also we have put it out there on our social media channels. If you will go look through our feeds and and find our post about this and tag someone that's a sports fan in the comments, make sure that you follow us on, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things enter you into the drawing, for lack of a better term. We're running this for two more weeks, and then we'll call it, and uh, we will announce a winner on the show uh, in, in two weeks. So social media, email, brewingshavers at gmail.com, all of that you can find on our link tree. Please always remember that, that that's there in the show notes every single week. Click on the link tree. You can go to any of these. And you were talking about following up Mike Leach. I think I might have the secret, and that is a recipe from JT Jazzy Chef. Mm. He has given us, and I'm not going to give you all the ingredients because we're going to post it on our social media. We're going to put it on our blog. Again, all of that's going to be on the link tree. But this is a beef and cheddar slider. Ooh. It involves Hawaiian rolls, roast beef, bacon, butter, onions. Mm. What else do I need to say? Uh, It's going to be, this is going to be a knock it out of the park recipe. We're going to make a a nice recipe card for it that you can have on our, our social media platforms in addition to putting it on our blog. And we are really appreciative to JT for these. It's amazing every single time that we put one of these recipes on our blog or put it out there on social media, how you can just see the, the line creep up of activity. And people are sharing it and commenting on it, and it really is awesome because we've tried a couple of them. Man, they're incredible recipes. They're so very good. Absolutely. Look forward to trying that one. I wish he would just come and, and cook for us. Just, just, just do it. And a we could just show. You know, kind of how go. they do on game day. They bring the food out. Let, let's try a little bit of everything. Come on, I JT. I like that a lot. <laughs> Thank you for listening to uh, this episode. Thank you for listening to all the episodes that you do for supporting us. We, we love that you're joining us on this ride. We're just a couple of guys. So we don't make any money off of this. We love to talk about sports. Yes. And so we appreciate it that that you join us uh, as we do so. Remember, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You can listen at your convenience on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to. So until next Tuesday, y'all take care. Have a great week.